Welcome to the Tech Report Podcast, where we help businesses survive, thrive, and create value. Well, welcome everybody to the Tech Report, the podcast that is all about helping businesses survive, thrive, and create value, especially in our trying environment today. And I'm your host, Brad Stoller. Well, today, as we're recording this podcast, the world is slowly getting back to business. You know, we do have a long way to go, but we're, on, but we're moving. So I just read a report yesterday stating that at least one-third of all people who filed unemployment claims have not received any funds yet. Even though we're starting to get back on, we have some people that never received a dime, and they're hurting bad. We also just went through rioting across the world for social injustice and racism. You know, people are just simply fed up and full of anger, anxiety, stress, depression. You know, many are just simply having a tough time coping with everything that's going on in the world. So many of these people are going to end up turning to drugs and alcohol as a way of surviving, you know, the pressures of their world. Uh, You know, many people are simply afraid to go back to work because they feel unsafe in their workplaces. You know, I recall hearing people who worked at meatpacking plants and how scared they were to be shoulder to shoulder with their fellow workers and and how many COVID cases and deaths were attributed, you know, to the meatpacking industry. So while our country is greatly improving the COVID numbers, and, and we are, but there's still a lot of stressed out people out there. And we haven't even started on the frontline workers that had to handle all the COVID cases in the ERs. So alcohol, drugs, suicides, they're all on the rise and it's gonna be affecting businesses of all kinds for a long time to come. So luckily, there is a shining, <laughs> a shimmering of light. <laughs> there are some dedicated people out there who are trying to help others and make a difference one life at a time. So today, I am honored to have one of those dedicated professionals who is doing just a simply fantastic job helping others. So our guest today is a Florida Board Certified Addictions Professional, otherwise known as a CAP, uh, internationally certified alcohol and drug counselor. Uh, he's a certified health coach, uh, an approved training provider with the Florida Certification Board. Um, He's a member of the Florida Association and National Association of Drug Court Professionals. Oh, hang on a second. I got to get to my breath. I still have somewhere to go. <laughs> he is chair of the Florida Association of Recovery Residences, otherwise known as FAR. And he's also a board member with the Alliance for Addiction Stimulus. Um, he has previously or has ex- previous experience as executive director of residential substance abuse treatment centers in Florida. And he served on the board of uh, several homeless coalitions and other community organizations. He's worked extensively with the homeless, addicted, mentally ill, sexually abused, and persons with disabilities. You know, from a business perspective, he has been an owner, CEO, and founder of several treatment centers. And on top of all that, just a good guy. (laughs) And he's also a pastor. So... (laughs) Okay, so let's end the suspense. Uh, our guest today is Lyle Freed. Lyle, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you very much. Happy to be here. 
Well, Lyle, I tried to mention a few things, and you and I talked. Uh, I, don't, I, I don't even have time to go over all the credentials you have. Uh, you've yeah. done a lot of things, and you are doing a lot of things, and you've been involved with. So tell us how you ended up being involved in the behavioral health area, and you know, what are you up to today? Well, sure. I came by it through experience. I was a business owner in the uh, 80s, and uh, through that, uh, made a lot of money and made poor choices with it and ended up needing some treatment myself. <laughs> so that's what got me interested. And so as I was in treatment, I ended up giving my uh, current company at the time to the employees and uh, decided to change gears and, and, and start working toward that. So I went back to school and um, I found that my faith happened to be pivotal in, in my experience in changing the way I viewed things and, and the ability to live healthier. So I went back in seminary and uh, became a pastor, and I understood there was a lot more to it than that. So I, um, I went back to school and got a psych degree and then got another psych degree and then did some work. Uh, continued to this day to uh, be learning all the time. I, I, to me, that's my new drug, quite frankly, is, is knowledge. Yeah, and so exactly. learning how to do business, learning how to help other people. It's just, uh, it's been very rewarding and very fulfilling. Sometimes profitable, sometimes not as much. <laughs> I, I worked in nonprofit for a good bit of that. As you mentioned, working with the homeless is never going to be profitable, but I've had some other businesses that have done very well. So it's, uh, it's finding that balance has been the key for me. Exactly. You said not profitable, but uh, a profit comes in many different forms. And if yes, you're helping yeah. some people, you may not financially be profitable, but Man, if you're making a difference in somebody's life, that is, I don't know how you can put a dollar figure on that. So, yeah. man, before we go any farther, just hats off to what you've done and, and your commitment and, and passion for what you do. So, Thank uh, you. But I, I know you've devoted your life to the addiction and, and mental care areas. You've done a lot of things, and I didn't even mention that you work in, in, in Haiti, I believe it is. And I mean, you're, you're all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what are you seeing as results of COVID-19? I mean, are people really struggling more than before the pandemic started? Um, you're Absolutely. in a position to see that. So what's going on out there? Yeah, so, and there's a few factors involved here. So one of the things I do is I work for a program called Help for Our Heroes that specifically looks at veterans and first responders. And you can see just from looking at the news today, the added pressures on, on first responders, and that includes emergency management people, dispatch, hospital frontline workers, obviously law enforcement, fire rescue, their life has, has changed dramatically in the last several months. Um, well, that's, the, that's for sure. The requirements on them, the concerns on them, you know, their family is now isolated and it's just, uh, it's really put a strain. But, but on the general population, <clears throat> excuse me, we're seeing uh, exponential increase in reports of domestic violence, child abuse, uh, anxiety and depression. There was just a report out, uh, an article out, I believe yesterday or day before, from a medical journal about the shortages in some of the psychotropic meds. There's so many people looking for a solution to their new experiences with depression and anxiety <clears throat> that the pharmacies are running out of medications, <clears throat> medications for it. So there's no doubt that it's on the rise. Some of that is the isolation issue. We are social creatures. So the need to interact with others and the inability to do that uh, for some people. Now, there are pe then there are others who part of their illness is that they isolate. So not having to go to work, not having to interact with other individuals has taken a pre-existing condition and, and made it worse because one of the things that got them out of that is, again, the movement. Just, so if you suffer from depression, physical activity, even just walking, can help alleviate some of the symptoms. 
when you cut out the ability to do that, those symptoms brew, if you will, and, and simply worsen. So yeah. we're definitely seeing a rise on that. And then when you talk about with the people with uh, alcohol or, or other substance abuse issues, a lot of them depend on um, community support groups, AANA, Celebrate Recovery, et cetera. And when you take the uh, ability to meet in person away, that support system, even if you're doing it virtual, it's not the same for many people. Exactly. So a lot of people who relied on that system found that their supports were gone. And if that was, if they were particularly early in the process and they needed that even more, then obviously they're at high risk and we're seeing a lot of calls related to that. Yeah, exactly. So, well, I know on a personal level that, uh, hey, my wife says she loves me and everything and she loves me being home. But after a while, I, I think I'm, I'm getting the idea. She's like, hey, would you leave me alone? <laughs> so, okay, I, I get it on a small scale, but uh, I'm very fortunate to have somebody who, who could put up with me, I guess. But, uh, but how you mentioned uh, everything's on the rise and, and all the reasons, and it makes a lot of sense. But how is this increase, you know, addictions, suicide rates, and, and just anxiety in general, how is this affecting businesses as they're trying to reopen? Yeah, I wrote an article, um, I think it was last week, maybe the week before, on returning to work in COVID and, and how that works with mental health and the things you have to do. So certainly businesses need to prepare to understand that there's an adjustment period, how to help these people understand what they're going to experience, particularly Again, some of these people had underlying conditions that they've managed and, and found patterns to uh, live through them or live with them that have been taken away. And now they've got to relearn that. It, it takes us a while to learn things. It doesn't take us long to unlearn them. Mm, yes. so, um, so understanding that. And then, of course, in the business realm, how do you, how do, you do that? One of the things that uh, they're recommending with the CDC recommendations is to remove the communal areas. No more break rooms and, and you know, right. these kind of things. So how do you maintain that social culture within your business to keep it healthy? Because that is part of the healthy work environment, right? Exactly. We know that if we lose these people, and some of them we may lose to some of these situations. So understanding that, making your HR department, your EAPs uh, friendly to this, letting the employees know what options they have that are healthy. Because let's face it, if we can get them some easy work, I'm working with a group now to provide telemed to employees simply because we want them to have the option to pick up a phone call, get the help they need, whether it be psychiatric prescriptions or just a, a counseling session to air it out. Um, and if we can do it easily over the phone during these restricted movement times, we can keep a healthy workforce. If we don't know what those tools are, we can't provide them to our employees. Yeah, exactly. Well, I will say tel telemedicine, uh, I actually, well, <laughs> I burnt my arm not too long ago. So rather than going to the doctor's office, uh, we just did a nice telemedicine appointment and hey, you know, it worked out pretty well. I actually prefer it. I didn't have to, you know, take an hour and a half to two hours out of my day just to go uh, have them take a look and say, hey, put some cream on it. You know, that's basically all it was. So um, it, it does, it works very well. And uh, it's good to hear that we'll be able to use this, you know, for, you know, the, you uh, to get people back a uh, you know, good emotional status as well. So we mentioned employees and they're going to have maybe some, some of them are going to have some tough times transitioning back, but what can business owners actually do to be proactive about helping their employees, you know, as, as we're, as we're transitioning back to, I guess, normal, whatever that means. And, and why do you feel that there may need to be some adjusting on the business's part as people come back? But what can they be doing to help? Again, just an understanding of what they're experiencing and helping them understand it. So um, 
when I wrote that article, the, uh, the city I live in put it out in their city newsletter to their 1,200 plus employees and family members. Um, uh, that's 1,200 employees plus then their family members are their families, on that. So, so, you know, giving them that information, helping them understand what the healthy alternatives are, what, what they're experiencing is normal. There's one of the biggest barriers to mental health issues is the stigma. We've got a stigma. It's one of the last stigmas remaining, and there is a few out there, but this is a strong one, is that we don't talk about mental health. I was, uh, I'm a Rotarian as well, and I was speaking with a large group of Rotarians and I, and on mental health, and I asked them to, to raise their hand if they or someone in their immediate family had ever experienced a mental health situation or, or, or mental health issue. And out of this huge room, one hand went up. Oh, my. And I said, well, one of you is honest and educated. The rest of you are, are not one of those. You're, you're either yeah. not because here's the trick. Anxiety is a normal experience. It's actually a healthy experience in some environments. Imagine if you're walking down the Appalachian Trail and a bear starts charging at you. You had better have a certain level of fear and anxiety, right? <laughs> exactly. So uh, depression is a normal thing that people go through. Now, there's a difference between clinical depression, being clinically depressed, and, and, and experiencing a, a depressive mode. So, but the fact that people, nobody wanted to raise their hand points out that, that stigma issue. The fact right. that it's still those things we don't talk about. So um, I think the, just uh, someone at the top talking about it, I, I spoke at a church on this recently, and the pastor got up and said, listen, I take medication for my depression. His church needed to hear that because many of them will sit there and pretend that they're not experiencing it and pretend that life is wonderful, and that yep. is only going to make it worse. So the ability from the higher-ups to say, we know this is an issue, we understand, everybody has these moments, some worse than others, we're here for you, we understand it, and there's options. So that buy-in from the fact that it exists, the ability to speak about it openly from the top down allows those people to then go get the help they need when it's needed and before it becomes completely debilitating. We all know it's better for to triage our, our employees and give them uh, the, this level of help before they sink down to a level that, that's not repairable and we lose the employee. Or, yeah. or I mean, certainly we've seen the explosive nature of some of these things when they go unaddressed. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and I know you and I had talked about this, uh, you know, last time we had, we had spoken, but, uh, you know, from a cost standpoint, you know, why on earth would it make sense to have awareness and programs to help employees get treatment? Why not just replace the worker with just someone else? Like the old days, hey, you're not here, you're gone. Let's get somebody else in here. You know, why not you know, why not have that type of an attitude versus, you know, uh, trying to help them through, even if it means uh, sending them home and recovering for a little while. I mean, from a yeah, cost standpoint. I speak, at, I speak at conferences quite a bit and, and EAPs are one of them. And, and, and there's a lot of large employers that come in and many of them get it. So just stress alone and, and the related anxieties to it. So even um, financial education. But one of the biggest stressors we have is, is financial insecurity, particularly today, right? So right. just the ability to talk about that and talk about options um, is, is significant. And, and so the advantage from a financial standpoint as an employer and someone who's employed quite a few number of people at a time, I can see that if I can help them with this, quite frankly, a minimal effort, then I can save them from those stress levels that can take them out. And so one day at home or one day off speaking to a counselor or even quite frankly, two weeks to a month if they have severe issues to get reset and be healthy for the rest of their life is a lot cheaper 
then all the added up days they're going to lose from not making it, all the other physical health symptoms that can be generated from the unaddressed anxiety and depression. Because here's what happens. Both of those psychological symptoms lead into physical symptoms and are more lost time at work. We all know what right. more lost time does to us. And then, of course, there's the cost of training new employees. We know that it's cheaper to retain than retrain and, and train new employees to come in. So yes. we've done the cost-benefit analysis, and we know that, that this is the cheaper route and the more efficient route and the healthier route for the whole. Because really, mental illness and mental well-being are both things that can spread. In other words, one person filled with anxiety can create anxiety in others. One exactly. person in depressed mode can affect the rest of the workforce. Whereas a healthy person can also have that positive impact. We call it the bombshell uh, uh, theory. That, that what I can't change you, but how I react and how I behave can affect you to where you can create change, positive or negative. So right. healthy individuals create healthy individuals. Exactly. So uh, you, you were talking about, you know, it's funny because my wife and I were just talking about this not too long ago, but there's some people out there that right now that uh, when I was out just yesterday, I noticed that uh, I went to pick up some supplies and, uh, and at the grocery store. Okay, so everybody's wearing their mask. They get in the car. In fact, a lot of them are wearing the mask while they're still in the car. Um, as soon as they get out, mask goes on. Um, they start walking to the store. They have it on the whole time. And I noticed that um, while I'm in the store even, some people, if, if I'm, I do the grocery shopping right now, so I'm, I'm the dedicated shopper, if you will. But I'm going down the aisles. And I noticed that some people are really, really squeamish about me approaching with a cart if they're like stopped and looking at something yeah. <laughs> and you can, I can tell they don't want me to, to pass them. They don't want me to come near them. And I, okay. So, okay. So I'll stick around and just wait till they're ready. Okay. But others, um, I, I went to the local home Depot, for example, and sure enough, I mean, people, it, it, you could just, you could just feel it. You know, half the people there they didn't care about wearing a mask or not. They, they think it's stupid. And so we have a lot of different attitudes towards what's mm -hmm. going on right now, which for that person in the grocery store, me coming up behind them, um, you know, if it was one of those people that, uh, you know, think that the COVID thing's just a fluke anyhow, and they keep getting too close to them, not, that creates a lot of stress, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. So, so back in the, back to the workforce, those people who are, you know, businesses are starting up right now uh, in the state of Pennsylvania where I'm at, hey, tomorrow's a big day because, hey, we're going green. Everybody's opening again, kind of. Um, but there's a lot of stress for those people that really are thinking that, hey, whoa, 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 I, there is just no way I want to catch this. I've got, I've got a health issue. I've got asthma, whatever it may be. You've, please stay away from me. That's a lot of anxiety. And then you get to somebody out there that's thinking it's just a, a, a fluke. You know, and they're not really um, being, uh, how, how's the word I'm looking for? Um, they're not really considering the other people, I guess, so much and their feelings. So there's a lot of stress out there. So how how is that person that's really, really scared about what's going on? Should they be this scared or should they, they back off a little bit and the people who are not concerned at all, maybe they should be a little more scared. Well, how do you how do you kind of work with those people as, a, sure. as an employer? You got all sorts of people like that. So for the employer, first of all, the question isn't whether they should be scared or not, because you're not going to what they are. Or they aren't. You know what I mean? So right. So the exactly. question really shouldn't be should they be scared? But how do I mitigate this as much as possible? 
And, and the answer to that is simply to have clear pre, you know, pre-return instructions. If they're already there, then, then make it clear. What, is the, what are the expectations? What are we doing to protect our employees? What are the new policies that we put in place to keep us sanitary? Is there a cleaning crew that's gonna come around? Are we supplying masks? Is there a break room area or not? How many people are allowed in at a time? Whatever you set up, safety features in your facility, in your work environment, you need to make sure that's clearly communicated to put them at ease and help them know. So knowing that you've done something will ease them somewhat. Seeing that it's, that it's done well and that it's well-regarded and well-informed will help them even further. So they may still be timid, and there are some people who are high risk that are like, I'm just, you know what, I don't need work as much as I need my health, and I'm not going to go back to work. And, you know, there's right. nothing about that. But, again, the better planning and the better communication you have about that planning, the more you can mitigate that, that fear factor. And then also that helps because then the other employees also understand they have a role and responsibility. Whether they buy into it's needed or not, it's a policy. And like right. any company policy, you know, you may have a policy that I have to check out and go home by five whether I'm done working or not. And, you know, that's it. You're cut off. Whereas I'm, a, I'm one of those guys who just you know, suddenly I realize a few hours have gone by. Well, that's a policy. I may not agree with it. I may not like it, but it's a policy and I've got to abide by it. So that also helps by having those other people in line and understanding what the rules are. <clears throat> They're able to perform accordingly and therefore also mitigate some of the fear factor on the other end. That sounds good. So, well, there's just a lot to cover on this. There really is. And you and I were kind of joking around. Uh, it, it could take us three, four, five, six. We could just have a weekly segment <laughs> and probably still not cover everything. But I know we, we really have covered quite a bit here today. And I'm really hoping that uh, your episode is going to help employers understand the importance of helping their employees. You know, what else is really important for business owners and managers to know Lyle, what have we missed talking about that you feel is important so far? The, the, it, it, again, the talking about it is good, but then understanding uh, what the options are, uh, understanding what the, the employee rights are and helping them understand that too. Because again, if you show that you are favorable toward it, that you understand FMLA, if you understand the privacy of, you know, if they go to get help somewhere and not being stigmatized, not being punished for it when they get back, which is illegal, but still happens. But if you have a healthy right. employer, they'll understand that and they'll encourage their employees to get the help they need before it becomes more severe. The sooner we address any of these issues, the less damage done to the individual and to the company. So I think that it's understanding that, but also have a, a, some alliances. Understand, you know, what insurance do you have? What, where can they go to get the help? If it's an EAP, who do they work with? Who don't they work with? Are there options wide open? And, and maybe reach out. You know, I, I have contacts across the country. If somebody ever wanted to reach out to me and ask, what are the good resources for prevention, for treatment, for mental health, for substance use, whatever it may be, I'm happy to help. <clears throat> and there's no, no need for it to, to become worse. Again, most of these, all of these are treatable situations and symptoms, right? They're all, and, and many of them are preventable. So if we help them understand the resources that are available, and even just if you have a company company uh, e-newsletter, making that a part of your e-newsletter, you know, give them right. the information, let them know that, hey, we understand this. This is an issue. It's real. The, the, the percentage of people in the last survey who have anxiety about their finances or about relationships at home or about how they interact with their coworkers or job security it is almost everyone. I mean, yep. it's, it's so prevalent and we act as though it's not there. Whereas if we talk about it, 
even that alone uh, eases a lot of it. So we can do a lot more than we're doing uh, corporately. Yep, sounds. Yeah, I, I agree with that a lot. So, well, my guess is that employers listening to this are going to have a few questions. And you mentioned, you know, resources. There's a lot of resources out there. A lot of them just they don't even know where to start. So, mm -hmm. how do they get more information? And yeah, you know, how do they contact you? And and also, from a geographic standpoint, where all do you serve? Is it total across the the country, the world, just Florida? I mean, where mm -hmm. all do you help people? Yeah, I work with people around the world, um, mostly the U.S. Uh, and but I but I I've helped people, and I actually next week flying out to help a, a family. Um, so there's no geographic restriction. The the resources available to them may vary on region, and of course for their employees it may vary on payment method as well. You know whether they're going to use insurance or cash, or right. whether it's for them or an adolescent member of the family. There's some some differences. The best thing I can say is each person is different. And if they call me, um, there's no charge for me to, to lead them to what is the best resource for them. And that will depend on the individual's situation. And if they're looking for corporate uh, resources, I have those as well. And so quite frankly, I'm available. Um, it's, it's become a passion of mine, obviously. So I have no problem uh, assisting others in finding those resources. And they can call me directly on my cell phone. I don't okay. know if you that up with the podcast or you want me to just tell it out there? Uh, well, I, I tell you, I'll, I'll make sure that uh, it's on there so people can, they'll have your number if, that, if that's okay with you. And sure. that way uh, they'll, they'll just have to read through. But um, is, there a, is there a website or anything like that that they should go to or just uh, call you directly? Or what, what, is the, what is the best way for them to? Well, they can call me directly because depending on what their needs are as to which websites I direct them to, um, okay. I, can, I can shoot you an email with some, some favorite websites, you know, I can shoot you that. Uh, I'll give you a couple, one again for the veterans and first responders, which is a particular interest of mine. Uh, and then one for the general public. And then after, and then one for Florida specific, uh, particularly for telemed. Um, and then if they were looking for something other than those, uh, they'll have to call me for those, but I'll shoot okay. you those on there. Sounds good. I had a feeling you're going to say that I have more than one website. <laughs> yes, I just just know your background, and it's a, it's a mess. <laughs> one website is not going to put everything in there. I, I get it. So, well, you know, I want them to get directly to the information. They can get to all of it, but I'd rather them have the information that they need directly to what's pertinent to them. So, yep, exactly. So, well, once again, a special thanks to Lyle Freed for his dedication to helping others. You know, I really hope that business owners and managers will be able to be more knowledgeable and aware of what their employers are going through and really some steps that they can do to help. So, Lyle, again, uh, just a huge thanks for being with us here today. All right. My pleasure. Anytime. <laughs>